Hey family, it's Natalie Valle, and this is Practical Alchemy, the podcast. I am a multidisciplinary healer and practitioner here to empower you with insightful, powerful, and heart-centered conversations. Our goal here at Practical Alchemy is to share stories, tools, and modalities from experts, teachers, mentors, and friends to help alchemize your life and to remind you that you're always on your journey to evolution and you're not alone in it. We'll dive into topics ranging from wellness, healing, spirituality, dharma, relationships, manifestation, and so much more. Thank you for being a part of this beautiful, supportive community. I can't wait to connect with you in real life at events, retreats, trainings, courses. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled and excited for today's conversation because this individual I met about a month ago at a sort of retreat that I attended that was more informal. And she and I had been in conversations because we're co-facilitating a retreat coming up in a week. And her work is so powerful. And I'm so excited for you to hear all about the horse medicine that she works with and the way in which horses can can be so transformational for us as humans. And today I have Cassandra Ogier with me, who is the founder and the director of The Reflective Horse. And Cassandra is the pioneer of equine-guided therapeutic experiences with free-roaming horses. And we'll talk about what that means. She created The Reflective Horse back in 2000 and has expanded her practice through her mastery program, mentoring facilitators and equine guided empowerment and really widening the potential for free beings, horses and humans coming together to experience a shift in perspective through embodiment practices and insight-based mentorship. And so thank you, Cass. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Cassandra, for being with me here today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Natalie. I'm very grateful to be here and excited about the conversation and also for our retreat coming up. So yeah, it's all, all perfect timing. It really is. And there's no better place to start than the beginning. So I would love for us to begin with how and when did your journey to work with horses begin? Well, it's really started in my childhood. Um, And although I was born uh, quite near the city, I got involved with horses quite early on. And what really drew me to them was actually not necessarily the riding and the techniques of being with horses, but actually like riding bareback in the fields before everyone had woken up at the farm and just having a really free range relationship with horses. 
And actually, I didn't do great at school. And I was very kind of quite a rebellious teenager, and spent most of my time not being at school, it has to be said, and going to the farm. And when I actually left school really early, I was 15 when I left school, I went to work with horses in a very traditional setting in England in a hunting yard. So basically, it was training horses who were going to be in the fox hunts of, you know, the famous kind of fox hunting of England. And so I I learned to ride, you know, I learned to ride horses, but I also had this sense of a deeper connection. And I always ended up working with horses that were problem horses that were difficult or had to shift somehow in perspective. So even early on when I had no idea really what I was doing, I was connecting to something that was whether or not it was like-minded, you know, because I was a problem child with problem horses. So whether it was that resonance or, you know, I've come to think that it was a grounding that I wasn't really aware of in my teenage years. But horses really, in a sense, grounded me and gave me confidence in my youth and my kind of teenage years. And then I went on to college and doing completely different things. But after I had my sons, I got back into connecting with horses. And I did it in a completely different way. And I met a jockey from the, it's a a bareback horse race in Siena in Italy called El Paolo. And he was a champion match race uh, bareback rider. And I started to work with him without any tools of control. So that's with no saddle, no bridle, no bit, just a a halter. And during that, that relationship and bonding with horses in a different way, I started to really feel there was a challenge in there and that it was a self-development exploration. I mean, yes, I was reconnecting with horses, but there was something about it, grounding, being in my body, trusting, because I didn't have the kind of tools of control that normally come along with that. And I started to recognize that there was something in it that could really help people because it was helping me. And so I started looking to see whether there was anything where people and horses came together in a therapeutic setting. And at the time, there was only things in the States, as I was living in England, Mm. and it was very psychotherapeutic. So equine-assisted psychotherapy is a model where horses are utilized with a therapist and the use of the horse is almost like a tool to kind of find out about you more in a psychological way. And so I did those trainings, but came to realize through this journey that, of course, when the horses are free, we learn so much more about ourselves in our own freedom and our own right to space, rather than subjugating or getting the horse to do something which can feel empowering to get a 120, you know, sort of 800 pound horse to move in a certain way or to take it through an obstacle course. But for me, over the years, it became kind of apparent to me that the horses get burnt out, that the horses feel that pressure 
And a lot of the time they're working with people who are very dysregulated, you know, the nature of people coming to help themselves get grounded. And so that pressure on the horses became something that I I was very aware of Mm. and wanted to empower people through really being in their bodies and having an experience with a free roaming being and to see what that was like when you come together without those tools of control or without those techniques. Wow. Wow. And so free roaming then is not something that's traditionally done in equine therapy then. It's normally horses being kind of guided through with these tools of manipulation, for lack of better term. And so how did you see that work differ with free roaming horses versus horses that were maybe tied up or had some sort of tool that people were working with? Mm, Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And none of it, none of it is wrong. You know, I mean, we're in this learning curve. And I think the best way to explain it is that when I first started doing this work, I'd done certification in what was called equine guided education, which is a fantastic model. But what I noticed was that I was putting myself under a lot of pressure to be working with a very large amount of clients, a lot of clients that were in in rehab from drug and alcohol and mental health challenges, Mm. and that the horses and I were both really getting burnt out. And so there was this kind of parallel happening where, in fact, it was the the young people that I was working with, because I worked with a lot of teenagers at the time, they would really call it out and they would say, like, the horse doesn't want to do it. And the horse doesn't want to go through the obstacle course, like the horse doesn't want to be caught. And at the time, because I was, you know, in this kind of programming myself, I would say, I would point it towards them and I'd say, well, you know, how are you feeling about this? Rather than kind of acknowledging the truth in what they were saying, Mm -hmm. that the horse doesn't want to do it. So it was a big, I suppose, a big leap for me in really acknowledging the truth of that and being able to shift and to allow something to happen, which had more freedom involved in it and more choice for the horses and in fact, more choice for the clients too. So yeah, I think that probably, you know, answers answers the question a little, right? Absolutely. And I think it's such a beautiful thing to call out that yes, of course, in those situations, having that moment of reflection of, well, what's it bringing up for you is very valid. And at the same time, it it totally discredits the fact that we're working with a, a full live sentient being that also has an experience in this. And so it almost like dehumanizes, if that's even the right word, the animal, it objectifies the animal, which is, I think, a paradigm that hopefully society is moving away from of seeing animals as tools and food and resources that people can tap into rather than our fauna brothers and sisters, not to get into that realm, but also this community is all about that realm. And so I love how it was the young people that were like, Hey, 
yes, this is maybe bringing up something for me that the horse doesn't want to do it. But there's also the truth that this horse actually has a want and a desire and an emotion that's coming up for them because they maybe are overworked or they're tired or whatever. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so reflective of our society, really, because we're really hard on ourselves, aren't we? You know, and also we're very doing oriented. So, you know, whether it's work, sport, you know, we're really in a cycle of school, college, work. It's, there's not a lot of space when we're on that wheel, right? And we get pulled into that. And I think that really the way that we are with, well, you know, specifically horses, because this is our conversation, we're like that with them too. We're really hard on them. We push them in sport. We don't really think about them, you know, as a sentient being. We use them. You know, we have terminology which is literally like that. You know, it's breaking the horse. Um, it's what horse are you going to use? So it's really interesting. It's like what horse are you going to ride? And it, it it seems very normal because we're really normalized into that understanding within ourselves. So it's only when you're kind of open to seeing more that it becomes really apparent that the way that we're using other people, the way that we're pushing ourselves, you know. So as you said, things are changing and I think that consciousness is, is growing. And I think that also, you know, when we think about it, when we see a horse, you know, in a small corral or we see them in a stall and we know that they're only taken out when, you know, they're going to be ridden or used. And then we get the experience of seeing like a horse on the land when we're driving past or we go out into the desert or we get the opportunity to see horses running free. And it's a totally different feeling. It's just that really expanded sense of self. And I think that is the beauty of it is it, we don't often see the reflection of that power and expansiveness in our world. So when we do see it, it I mean, even I'm sure just even speaking about it, I have the opportunity to see horses running in big spaces, but it just elevates my spirit. And so there's something about actually walking into you know, an experience with horses where you don't really, it's new, usually, if it isn't new, it's you've usually had an experience where you're controlling the horse. So it's stepping into a totally different world, which gives people an opportunity to, to get a different perspective, because you, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's changing moment to moment, like life is, you know, when we step into um, that kind of field. Absolutely. I remember I showed you the video from when I went to Patagonia and yes. there was this herd of a hundred horses and you are absolutely right. And I think it's such an interesting point you bring up of we don't see it reflected in our society, that sense of expansive freedom and, and roaming and wildness, at least not in these condensed cities in the U.S. Maybe mm -hmm. more expansive areas in the U.S., like Montana, yes. But for the most part in the U.S., we all we see around us are these 
boxes of cubicles and little cars that we sit in in traffic all day. And, you know, maybe we take a walk outside to go walk our dog. And so not having that reflected back to us, it's almost like we become desensitized to what it feels like to be in spaces that are free, that are expansive. And so the more that we can experience that, the more that maybe we can embody that remembrance of that is our essence as animals, as creatures of this earth. And where I was going with the video with Patagonia that I showed you, you are so right. I sat there and stared at that field for 15 minutes, just watching these horses run and play and roll on the ground like they were dogs. And it really was such a euphoric feeling that I just got to experience by witnessing these creatures in their natural habitat and their natural essence. And I would love to have you share a little bit about, you know, we, as a society, we know horses as working animals, as pretty much animals that are used for labor. And so having worked with horses in the ways that you have, what can you share about these creatures that maybe goes unseen that makes them so impactful, which is why they're used in therapeutic scenarios? What makes mm. them so special? Yeah, it's really beautiful to notice how similar we are to horses, which is kind of difficult to see when they're in that more traditional setting. But when we actually have them in groups and they are free, they have an incredible balanced society. We tend to separate them out, fear-based separation, like they're going to fight, they might get kicked, you know, but they really figure things out very, very quickly. So yeah, there might be a nip or there might be a kick. But the, the thing is that over overnight, what I've noticed is that a hierarchy, I suppose we would call it a hierarchy. For the horses, I believe that it's more being in balance. They're looking for harmony and balance. And so usually when I say overnight, they're literally going from, you know, a daylight experience to a nighttime experience where potentially as a group, they have to work more together because there's the unknown, it's dark, you know. So overnight, horses tend to have figured out who's leading, you know, who's where and how it all really fits together. And I find it just fascinating that they want to be in harmony. And actually, as humans, I think we're really looking for the same thing. We're looking to harmonize, we're looking to self-regulate, and we're extremely separated out. You know, we're not, it becomes very competitive, you know, and all kinds of things happen in the dynamics that we've um, created as a society. But when we look at horses as a herd and as a group, they, they figure it out really quickly and they want to be in that harmonious state. And there is a place for everybody in the herd, whether they're the leader or whether they're the more sensitive, kind of more aware, more energized, you know, a little more scared. And so basically they're going to be warning the herd about mountain lion or any kind of predator. So everybody is, or every, you know, being in a, in a herd is working together to really be one. So, I mean, that is ultimately, right, what we would love to do. 
but the conditioning has wiped that out. And that is exactly the same with horses, separated out, not trusted. They kind of lose that sense of their instinct. It takes a while for them to, to come back to regulation when, say, they're used for jumping or dressage, just thinking about the pressure again that we do to ourselves. There truly is nothing like community and feeling supported by like-minded individuals who share the same mission and are also on their journey to evolution. And if you're craving this, I invite you to join me in the Alchemized Life membership. This is a virtual community and a membership of beautiful people from all across the world. And we come together every month for community healing circles, workshops around lunar cycles and cacao circles. And these are all live, all recorded, and you have access to them, whether you want to hop on live or you want to watch the recordings of them. And if you feel called to join the membership, I would love to invite you to try your first month for just a dollar using the code PracticalAlchemy at checkout. I hope to see you in the portal soon. Back to the show. It's so inspiring to notice the way that energy moves through them. Mm. Like they can have upsets, they can have, you know, discrepancies, but they allow it, they don't take it personally. They just, it's like energy flows, they move out of the way, they're not holding a grudge, they're not thinking about it or steaming on revenge. They're really uh, able to let go in a way that we tend not to do as humans. We hold on to things and don't release. And they show us about releasing and coming back to grounding, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I love that parallel of they're always trying to find harmony and balance. And as humans, we are too. We just, we're so removed from in our in our day to day that we don't even realize that that's what we're always striving for. But harmony and balance and moving in unison is is really also the salve for so many of our issues that we have today. This individualistic society, if we were able to move into more of a herd mentality of, of working together in unison for a greater for a greater good, we could really keep each other safe, keep each other healthier, keep each other more grounded, and also co-regulate, right? And just Yes, yes. So personally and, and allow each other to be the medicine that we need. Yes. And I think the beautiful thing about being with horses in this way is that they bring us back into that regulation. So if they're in a harmonious group, then they're going to they're going to bring us into that. And that really is essence of, for me, uh, the therapeutic value of being with horses you know, there's many other uh, explanations of what it, you know, what horses do for people. But actually, when you came about a month ago, and we had that beautiful group together, you know, just a woman that came up to me at the end of it, who was going through a lot of pressure in her life and a divorce and young, you know, teenage children. And, and she just said, I don't think I felt this grounded and in my body for years. Mm. 
And I really felt that in her, you know, a real softening and just a, a pause, as it were, um, to be able to remember, as you say, what it is like to feel regulated. And I think that that is essence of, of what this, this work or this experience is about. It's a, it's a remembering because we all have that within us. We just tend to have forgotten how to get there um, or we think we have to try to get there. But I think the horses really bring us into the sense of it naturally occurring. And then we, we kind of recognize it and we're like, why don't I do this more often? You know, mm. we don't need to be by a horse to find this, but they help us to, to remember that place within us. Mm. So beautifully put. And something that's coming up for me as I remember and recall that day that we spent together is the sense of awareness that horses have. And, and I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not horses are intuitive and empathetic and, and deeply feeling creatures. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, just as a as a, um, a practical kind of answer to that, they have to be so sensitive because they are a prey animal. You know, they are preyed on by other animals. And so they have an innate sensitivity. But interestingly, so are we. We forget <laughs> that we're preyed upon by other animals. Mm. And we have actually, we have the same, we share the same limbic system, the emotional center as a horse. So that is a scientific fact. We share a lot in common and they are deeply sensitive. Um, they need to know what is around them on an intuitive and instinctive level and they can read intention. So for example, if, they, if a mountain lion is going past and it's, it's got a full stomach, they are not going to be so agitated but if it is predatory and it's hungry, they're going to know. Wow. So they, they pick up on those nuances. And that is also why they're so amazing for us, because they're picking up on our emotional terrain. So not to say that we can't go in there feeling anxious, but the energy is going to rise up in them if we're in anxious energy or if we're a lot in our thought. And so really it's this harmony of noticing that when we relax physically in our body, and I'm always talking about relaxing the belly, like releasing, we naturally come back into this grounding. And when we do that, we see the horses releasing and relaxing as well. So the biofeedback is incredible because they're reading our, our terrain, our emotional terrain, as well as the environment. Wow. I do. Just as you were saying that I relaxed my belly because I remember you saying the day that we came together, continue to relax your belly, continue to ground in your body. Because as humans, we tend to be so wound up. We tend to always hold the tension in our belly, hold the anxiety, the stress, and even just the simple action of letting the belly soften brings so much yes. rooting and grounding to the body. It's totally, totally like that. And I think that you're absolutely right. It's something that, you know, I was working with a young woman yesterday and she just said, oh my gosh, my family have always said, you know, my mom, my sisters and whatnot, they've always said, suck in. 
like they're reminding each other. And uh, it was so interesting because even if we're not told that, we have this idea, you know, of it's a, it's a very masculine kind of way of, you know, we need to be core strength. We need to be, you know, we need to be pushing ourselves in that way. And the idea that we soften and that we relax that place in ourselves, and I'm sure that anyone who's listening who, you know, relaxes their belly and probably their butt cheeks are going to feel the weight of gravity just grounding them. And, you know, with the horses, as, as, you, as you experience and you know, when we come back to that state, we can literally see it in them. So having that reflection, when you know that actually even going into your thinking, you're likely to start tensing up because you get lost in thought. And that is a reactive state, basically. Becoming lost in thought is a reactive state. And, you know, our energy rises. And we're literally, as, uh, you know, Ken Robinson said, that amazing quote of his, that uh, the body is seen as a vehicle to take our heads around to meetings. (laughs) So, you know, so just remembering that when we relax into it and just take that breath out, that we're going to feel so much better. Mm. Yeah. So the horse is amazing at reflecting that. Absolutely. I do remember the first group that went in, I was in the second group. And I think with the second group, having observed the first group, we were even more grounded and more rooted and more stable. And with my group, um, oh gosh, what was the white horse's name? Surprise. Surprise. She's hypersensitive, hyper aware. And during the entire time of my group being in with her, she was just laying on the ground, easy as could be, totally relaxed. And it was such a reflection of my group feeling relaxed, confident, grounded, and and at ease rather than nervous and anxious. And like you said, not to say that you can't walk in there with whatever you're holding and, and you know, let that be. It's just such a beautiful example of how reflective these creatures are, what's going on within us. Yes, yeah. And really, I mean, isn't it true that, you know, I think it's the same with other animals. It's just that we've got this very pure feedback of similarity in the way that we're made up. And, you know, also the dynamics of the herd, which I know was something that came up, you know, in our group, is that it is, I wouldn't say it's a matriarchal society, um, but it's a very balanced society of masculine and feminine. And the lead mare, the female horse, there is always one who is in any band or group of horses who is the direction setter. She is the one that all of the rest of the herd will follow. And she is an incredibly relaxed horse. And she's not the one that's dancing around, bossing people around or looking pushy. She's the one that's expending the least amount of energy and is very content and grounded. And she's the one that sets the direction, which is fascinating. And there are all kinds of other energies within that, you know, more dominant mares, but she's the one that everybody trusts. Mm. And she's not having to ring bells or fight for that position. So Mm -hmm. that intrinsic groundedness is amazing. 
And the stallion energy is much more about pushing and keeping the group together and defending against, you know, predators. And it, it is a more a dominant way of leading. But it can't be clearer, right? The, the, the lead female is the direction setter. So I think that just in, in, in terms of our society, you know, we could look at that and just be like, yeah, interesting that um, the balance has kind of gone, gone off and the feminine has gone along with it. You know, we're, we're all much more in this very tense kind of uh, cerebral action oriented lifestyle rather than this softening and opening and, cultivating awareness and intuition and all of that that you know we are discovering is just like such a beautiful natural place for us to be in that equilibrium of the stallion being that masculine archetype of the dominant and the aggressive and yet they're not the main leader if anything they support the lead mayor as she needs to set the direction they are there to kind of wrangle everybody and that beautiful balance of equilibrium is is so wonderful and i think as humans we could learn so much from that there isn't one or the other it's both are very much needed Absolutely. And I think that's just such a beautiful word, too, because I'm not an expert on wild horses, but people that I share and follow, they they show this absolutely beautiful harmony of, you know, I mean, there are obviously, you know, there's clashes and there's dangers and all kinds of things with, you know, wild animals. Um, but also the the masculine and feminine balance within that stallion energy, like seeing them protecting the mares and being nurturing the foals and keeping other horses away from the foals it's just like mm. yeah I mean it really seems that we've kind of lost our way in in many respects and that the horses can really show us something that I think everybody resonates with it is so harmonious and it feels so good that you know we can learn a lot from that Absolutely. And I know that in addition to being an equine practitioner, you are also an incredible mother to three men, to three incredible men. And I would love to hear about your journey through parenting your sons in relation to following your own true nature and, and grounding. Wow. Well, that's a Thank you for, for, for bringing that in. Yes, I do have three amazing grown-up sons. And, you know, I was a pretty wild mare when I met my their father. And um, it was definitely an initiation. Like, it wasn't planned that we were going to have, you know, these three amazing boys. But I really made a commitment to it. When, when my first son, when I was pregnant with my first son, I made a commitment to that. And I actually think that it was them or he that grounded me. And it, I think it's that, that combination of the commitment and that allowing of life to go in a completely different direction. Because as much as I thought that it would not change my life in the slightest having a child, of course <laughs> it did. And to surrender to that. And to be in that nurturing, yeah, surrender is something that is, I mean, it's such a gift and it's also a huge initiation. 
and really following my intuition on what I felt was right. There are many things, you know, including schooling and all of that, that we get kind of pushed into really early on. And I remember thinking I was going to do all that and then coming to it, actually deciding that I was going to homeschool my my kids um, until my oldest was actually eight years old when I found a, a way, um, a school that was actually prepared to, um, yeah, honor them for the little beings that they are, you know, exploring, but not go down this road of, um, yeah, basically adhering to the way society says you should behave, which was also a bit of a risk. And people would say to me, like, what are you doing? They're going to be this, they're going to be that, you know. And so now, you know, I have, they're 30, nearly 29 and 27, and they are just the most incredible beings Mm. out there in the world having, you know, an incredible life, doing what they love, you know, following their passions. And, uh, you know, that's, it's a long story, but trusting in their, them following the way that they want to go and just nurturing and nourishing that is completely what I believe. And the same with the horses and the same with all my clients, actually, <laughs> you know, that, you know, we, we find our way and it's just, um, really finding the support and the community and the people that are going to help you to remember that, to just be, you know, following your true nature and um, connecting with your intuition. So beautifully put. And it's almost in a way by you being the example lead mayor of your own life, as we all are of our own lives of setting our own direction and you setting your own direction of where you were going to lead your herd, they then grew up with that with that paradigm of, of them setting their own direction. And now they're getting to explore their passions and lead lives that are fulfilling to them and explore the world in the ways that feel right. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the lead mayor. I mean, in a way... It is true, even though I did not at the time feel that empowered in many ways, that was something that I really believed in and following that truth. And I have to say, Natalie, because I know that, you know, your community, my community will listen to this. But I read a book before my sons were born called The Continuum Concept by Mm. Jean Leadloff. And it it validated my intuition so much as a mother that um, it it just really helped me to listen to my own voice and not to listen to all of these very loud voices. Because, you know, we're talking about the early 90s when, you know, it, it, it was a little tricky to be doing something alternative. Mm. And this woman who wrote the book went out into the Amazon and and studied tribes and children particularly and watched how they were actually in this beautiful continuum of teaching each other. And yeah, it's that thing where, you know, we, we have to keep coming back to something that really feels true and have that validated. I think that's a lot to, you know, that community can do for us. Absolutely. And to always remember that, it's it's a continuum. It's not 
a destination, this journey of life, and we're forever students, no matter how many things and skills and traits we master, forever students, forever beginners. I love that. Yes. Yeah, it's so true. And we are where I have the privilege to co-facilitate a retreat with you coming up here next week by the time this goes out. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for you to share a little bit, like a little sneak peek of what attendees can expect during our portions with you during our gathering. Yes. Well, I think that we've spoken about it really in terms of grounding and just some very simple techniques. If we're going to be going out with, you know, a small group of free roaming horses, we we want to be in our bodies and we want to simply be really inspired to be that. Mm-hmm. So we observe the horses and there's so much in just looking at how they interact with each other that really kind of reminds us about that grounding. And I love somatic experiences because you're focused on the body and not the mind. And we find really easily that we're actually really in touch with our intuition, but we may not think that we are. So that is a little guidance that we go through before we actually have an experience going in with the horses. And um, when we do go in with the horses, I mean, There's so much that everybody receives as an individual because it's not really about um, me pointing out. It's, It's more about the experience that you're having in that relationship. And you really get to notice how your personal thinking comes in and when you can actually just relax and be natural and allow yourself to just have have an experience rather than manufacturing it, which is what we're kind of used to, to doing, you know, and controlling that. So I think it is a real, it's a reconnecting with a part of ourselves that's there. And we get to have this beautiful biofeedback from, you know, these majestic beings. Ah, oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, and I'm excited about you and being you holding the space and the ceremony and the, you know, the sound healing as well. I'm really, really excited about bringing all that together. Me too. And the space is so magical. I mean, we we have touched about how powerful this land is in Malibu, surrounded by these mountains and, and just the prana in that land is so palpable life is just Mm -hmm. so vibrant so radiant and that in itself is so healing just to be in those spaces absolutely yeah and this mountain range is just yeah incredible i mean it's uh one of my practitioners said that they're the ancients i mean they are it's it's a range of mountains that are not there's no other mountains like this in the santa monica mountains people say it's like peru you know, they're, they're very powerful. So you're, you're absolutely right that the way the land holds us is, is really special. And I think it's, I mean, it's going to add massively. It's like we're adding to that, I think, really, you know, exactly. put it in perspective. Yeah. Exactly. We're just coming in and adding the finishing touches. But Pachamama, she, she's got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, uh, well, if horse medicine could impart a single lesson to humanity, 
horses, the medicine from horses, in your opinion, in your experience, what would that be? Mm. I think harmony um, is 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 a one word that I would use. Harmony, and I think also our empowered sense of self, our empowered self, a sense of our free being. That's what horses will bring to the world. Beautiful. Cass, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your energy. I know that people are going to want to connect with you, learn more from you. So how can people find you? Where can people find you? Yeah, thanks so much, Natalie. It's really so lovely. It's so sweet to be in your presence, really. Hold a beautiful space. You can find me at thereflectivehorse.com. And you can email me at thereflectivehorse at gmail.com. Um, there's an events page where you'll see all of the things that are coming up. And yeah, that's about an Instagram, The Reflective Horse. Beautiful. Thank you, Kaz. Yeah. Thanks, Natalie.